Hi everyone, uh, welcome to Gravy Talks, the first episode ever and we have with us uh, Mr. Thomas Franklin. He is an attorney with Kilpatrick Townsend and Stockton, also the founder of Triangle IP. Over 30 years of experience, helped several thousand maybe companies, small businesses, medium businesses with their IP portfolios, uh, strengthening their IP strategy and uh, we are going to be talking about all of this in, in our podcast today with Tom and, and hearing his thoughts on in today's times, how is IP strategy changing? What are the new things you've got to look for? And uh, I think without any further uh, ado, shall we dive right into it with Tom? Great. Yeah. So hi, Tom. Thank you so much. I hope you're having a pleasant stay here in, in India. Yeah, and very, very good. Very nice weather. Yeah. And we are, you know, excited to have you back in Chandigarh uh, with us. And uh, <clears throat> so, Tom, the, the times have changed. We are almost past COVID now, uh, so it seems. And uh, there is, of course, a lot of buzz about the global recession, economics, uh, patents as an industry, IP as an industry uh, typically does flourish under these circumstances. But for that, a lot of companies need to turn uh, IP strategy to be the core of their businesses. So in your experience of, of having worked with so many medium and large businesses, uh, people who've probably started IP strategy because of your consultation, what is your first piece of advice in these coming times for uh, such businesses? Yeah, so I've seen a few business cycles in my career, you know, the dot-com boom and bust, the Great Recession in 2008. And what I found is that most companies may shed a lot of things that they do or they may refocus, but their production and their engineering is the heart of their business, right? As you can't, you can't get rid of that and then you won't have a business. So when they refocus, it's rarely away from uh, producing a new product or engineering new things. So kind of these downturns bring a certain clarity to the situation. And certain things that may have been optional or certain directions that they were thinking about doing, they may fold those back and put those on ice for a little while as they um, double down on their core business. So it's, it's, it's rare that they would cut back on patents and when one company might be cutting back because they're in financial trouble, another one is, is stepping up. So um, sometimes things will change. Like in the dot-com boom, it was incredible how things just, the bottom fell out of certain markets, right? We thought everybody would be streaming over the internet and that wasn't really gonna happen because all the telecom companies went out of business or had problems at that point. So some companies were able to pivot successfully. Some companies ended up being acquired. You know, in that time period, I worked for a large company that felt as though they had missed out on all the innovation that had happened in the dot-com boom. And they went around buying up all those companies, right? Hmm. So um, people always need to develop new product, product and they need the people that can develop new product. So if you're in that space, your jobs are generally secure, but it may be that there's an acquisition. It may be that you have to go in a different direction or give up some sort of projects that are not going to yield immediate results. So um, 
it ends up being a pretty frothy, um, insecure time. But those folks that are the makers that are making things, everybody, everybody needs to make things and companies die if they're not making things. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> right. And, you know, like you mentioned, uh, some people need to innovate, some people need to go into products. But uh, for for the companies, how do how does, for example, somebody who's who's responsible for the IP strategy in in an SME, how do they know that their their portfolio is on track uh, in these times, and and how do they do it cost effectively sure. in in these times? Yeah. So often when you're super busy, you're not slowing down to think about things, right? You're just overwhelmed because there's so many patents to file and that. So when you, when things slow down, you can do a little bit of soul searching, a little introspection and realign your patent portfolio with the strategic vision that may have changed in the downturn. So one thing that I always, you want to look at in a particular area, whether or not you have the patent coverage that you need for that particular area and perhaps look at opportunities. So um, there may be a new strategy, right? And these different business units is, is stop to look. It's almost like rebalancing your stock portfolio is tech is way down. So maybe you're going to buy more tech because you're trying to keep 20% of your money in tech. You might just find the same thing where you have a particular business unit and for whatever reason, there aren't enough patents there. So knowing that, like often it's hard to figure this out. So I'll hire somebody to go and look at the whole portfolio of the company, maybe even figure out which are the important patents or not, or at least on an objective sense, not how the value to the enterprise, but whether they're good patents or seemingly valuable patents, which, which business units they correspond to so that someone can then say, this matches up with our strategic vision. We wanted to have 20% high tech. Our high tech investments fell down to 6% because that's what happened in the dot-com boom. So we might sit there and say, well, we need to, we need to buy 14 more percent more stocks in those areas or really concentrate on filing patents in that area. And then you're just as likely to find another area where you end up with uh, too much investment, right? Too much intellectual property. And there you might um, push to license it or you might spin out of business. You know, in these downturns, people tend not to be in a buying mood. <laughs> but sometimes, especially if you don't have much business in that space, you might look to license or even assert there, right? Because <laughs> you're not worried about countersuit against that business unit. But really figuring out what you have, what's important, um, and then looking at the strategic vision uh, that may have been revised is, is, is key in those circumstances. Right. And sometimes it means that you're abandoning cases, right? Mm -hmm. It's coming up with what I'll call a pruning strategy, which is you know, typically it comes up when you're filing annuities, right? Okay. Especially those later annuities that are very expensive there are inevitably going to be patents that just don't make sense anymore. They don't line up with the industry um, or it's for that non-strategic area of business that you're no longer interested in. Right. Is 
abandon those patents and save that budget for something else. And that's where it's really helpful to have somebody go through your portfolio and look to see what's important and what's not. Hmm. Because paying an annuity um, on a patent that is not in the strategic part of your business, that has very little value, wouldn't be good for licensing, hmm. is just a waste of money. Right. right. So prune that out or maybe go into strategies to try and license that part of the portfolio out, sell that portfolio out, uh, you know, keep on with the portfolio that is more targeted towards your strategy of the business. That's right. And the like, got it, got it. So I think a uh, great strategy that, you know, uh, IP heads right now need to know which, which parts of the portfolio they need to let go of, which parts of the portfolio to keep. But how can they do this more cost effectively uh, you know, how, how can they look at portfolios? Are there challenges? You have, uh, you know, talked to a lot of such people. What challenges have they felt in doing this uh, effectively? Yeah, so it's a common problem that IP heads have because as a portfolio gets large, you know, inventors come and go. Um, you might think that, well, we'll just ask our patent council if they have internal or external patent council to go through and what do the patents mean? Well, it's time intensive. Um, and for law firms to do it, it's very expensive. Reading the claims, understanding what's going on in the case and maybe summarizing the case. You know, figuring out which patents are valuable or not, they're only valuable to the extent that they might be useful um, to either protect your business or assert against a competitor, which means probably licensing value and stuff like that. But those are very complex and kind of time intensive questions to figure out. So often, or at least I feel as though law firms can't do that cost effectively. So I'll, I'll reach out to someone or in a few examples I found within the enterprise, they may have like an engineer or two that can go and help with some of this stuff. Like certainly with understanding the portfolio or identifying which ones align with current products. If there is, are people within the enterprise that can figure that out and have knowledge and expertise enough to be able to read a patent and, and, and make some of those judgments, that's great. I've rarely been able to find that. Um, so if you can't find that, there are consulting firms like I use Gray B and that, that, that example is to go through look at all the patents, judge them on a given criteria. Like mm -hmm. there are metrics, empirical metrics that tend to mean it's a valuable patent. Like you might look at reverse citations. If there's lots of reverse citations, other people think that that patent is relevant. So that may be one factor. Length of claim may be one factor. Um, so looking at all these factors and reading through all the patents, summarizing all the patents, um, and having it done objectively because Gravy has no in internal knowledge can be very effective. So I've done it where we've had a couple hundred patents to look through and it would be um, very expensive to do it at the mm -hmm. law firm. Mm -hmm. And even though it may seem free to do it within the company, that engineer that you've pulled off of a project to do this work that they may not be very skilled at 
is not a free resource, even though you might consider them a free resource. What I found is cost-effectively, a consulting firm can go through there, rank the patents all in this way, summarize all the patents in this way, so that you have a good idea what's going on in your portfolio. So they'll generally arrange it in a taxonomy, maybe by your product line or maybe by your business unit. Something where you can kind of evaluate it with regard in line to your strategy and line it up with your strategic vision. And then additionally, if you can then layer it in there with what's going on in the competition, do some sort of landscape overlay. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can figure out that, you know, in this particular area, what's typical is to have 40 patents, right, in this business unit. Because we've looked at our four competitors and that's kind of what they have as you kind of correct for their size relative to your size. You might say 40 is reasonable and then you look and see that you have 20 patents or you have 60 patents. So going through there and sizing up what's going on in your portfolio and Graybe can put it into a interface, their slate interface. So it's online, it doesn't have any tracking. And then it can put the landscape in there too. So you can look at what's going on in the landscape and the online portal. What's nice about it is there's no tracking. So you can look at a patent, think about it, see how it was characterized. And it isn't your characterization. It's your third party vendor that's done the characterization. So it's cost effective and it doesn't ripen trouble damages. If Mm. you're worried about looking at competitor patents in that way. Right. Right. Excellent strategy. And I think as you mentioned, uh, you know, you you can look at competitors. Uh, and again, uh, when you're looking at your own portfolio, it's some some of it is for defensive. Some some of it is for maybe future countersue kind of strategies. Uh, again, in this in these economic times, there's also a buzz in the conferences that typically in these times litigations might go up and uh, when 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 there are you know companies who who have a little bit of ip who have products in the market uh what preparations can they do uh for litigation as well as as when when they're looking for their own, into their own portfolios is there some kind of interconnection they can also look at these patterns for litigation purposes or what other strategies do you think they should be careful about right now so that the future is more secure yeah so often when the the economy is booming everybody's just trying to make as much money as they can and they're not you know predominantly that's how a company will make money but in these lulls if you will it's time to kind of as we talked about perhaps spruce up the portfolio or characterize the portfolio but you may have some people that have been infringing upon your rights in a particular area Or, you know, it's time for that battle with that competitor, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't make sense while everybody was making money because that it was accumulating as much as that business as possible made sense. But when the salespeople aren't busy um, and you're not bringing in uh, new customers, you have your patent portfolio. And so it might be often litigation is with the purpose, right? It might be to get licensing revenue. Maybe because you want to acquire that competitor and you want to get more favorable pricing and the pricing is going to change if it looks like they're going to lose a a patent lawsuit. Mm -hmm. So those sorts of strategies are really important because there's consolidation. 
licensing, you know, you can start initiating it. Sometimes the other side is going to slow things down because they're not making any money. Yeah. So, um, but often these patent litigations are for another purpose, right? It might be to get access to some customers, right? There's nothing that scares a customer more than to have their vendor being sued mm. validly on a bunch of patents. You might, right. the contract might be renewed in your favor. Okay. Um, or you might be able to acquire them or team up in, with them in some way. Maybe sometimes the settlement is that they get out of a particular space. So it's kind of a time to do some house cleaning and some assessment that during the go-go days, you just don't have time to do. Mm. It's just mm. when you're making money and business is good, mm. you're running around like your hair's on fire. Well, you know, things have settled down and you can do things more deliberately and more conscientiously and more strategically. Right, right. And and uh, for example, if, if litigation has come down on you for, I mean, for one of your clients, uh, how can they use their own portfolio or uh, what what other measures can can they take uh, right away and or you know in advance to be prepared for something like that sure so often often patent litigation is not a surprise right you know you're tussling in some way mm. that in the marketplace sometimes you're fighting over some other reason with the competitor and people love patent litigation because they can cause the other side to spend a ton of money even if they win. Yeah. So it's a it's a very effective way to beat up on your competition, mm -hmm. especially if they're not well funded. And if you're in a downturn where there's lot not a lot of capital flowing around where you if you run low on cash, patent litigation can be extremely effective in beating up on people. So you have to prepare and that's where, you know, we talked a minute ago about having a landscape, mm -hmm. knowing who are the competitors in a particular place. But those competitors in a particular place, you might be sizing them up to know what you should do in your portfolio, but you may find somebody who's particularly vulnerable. Maybe they're in a they're in an area that's not very important to your business where you have a hundred patents and they have zero. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, <laughs> and you find that they're they're trying to raise capital and they're not being very successful you might be able to pick them up rather inexpensively. But it requires kind of a, a greater level of precision to know that. So just kind of in the abstract looking at things, you can have somebody like I'll typically use Gravy to do this or do at least a first pass before litigation counsel gets involved, is go through the portfolio and find out what is really damaging to those people. And to look through 100 patents or 50 patents and come up with claim charts or candidates, I think having that first pass mm -hmm. is really cost-effective to farm that out to a consulting firm that does it. And you can cover a lot more ground for the same budget if you're willing to do it that way. Because when you bring in litigation counsel, it is really expensive really quickly. And you're off to the races spending money. So like. Sometimes you find yourself in that circumstance. You have a competitor that's filed suit against you. Sometimes it just comes right out of the blue. Mm. Well, the best, um, uh, the best response is a countersuit with your own patents, right? 
And doing that very quickly can often make these patent litigations go away. And if you have a big patent portfolio, or maybe you can go and acquire one pretty quickly, you might be able to turn the tide on that litigation. So you may find a competitor has a huge patent portfolio mm -hmm. and you may have a relatively small patent portfolio, but you're perhaps a smaller competitor protecting a smaller part of the business. Mm -hmm. You may have a patent in your very small patent portfolio that has great implications for the larger company because ten, they tend to have more damages. They're larger, right? So don't immediately conclude that there's no way to shoot back. Hmm. Um, of course, you have a litigation strategy. Of course, you have a battle plan. But the thought that they may lose more than they're gaining in a particular system situation may push them toward a cross license may push toward a settlement. It brings some rationality to the situation because the initiator in one of those patent lawsuits thinks that's going to be easy money and nothing would be more embarrassing to them to find out that actually they're going to be writing the check to the other side. Mm -hmm. So I find, you know, you, you can't placate a bully, right? When a bully comes at you, you punch him in the nose and often they're cowards at heart and you should prepare for that strategy and you should know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's where the landscape can help you get ahead of these issues. If you are under patented in a particular area, maybe you're acquiring patents. Mm -hmm. You know, in the dot-com bust, there were so many bankruptcies going on and we were constantly looking through portfolios mm -hmm. of high-flying companies and their, their patents were selling for pennies on the dollar. In some cases, very few people were even showing up to buy them. So you can, you can be strategic and deliberate about it, but the only way to go about doing that is to have a lot of, of man hours spent on figuring that out. Mm -hmm. Got it, got it. And uh, you know, talking of man hours being spent on uh, this kind of work, and uh, of course, with we are almost in the third quarter, and uh, sorry, the fourth quarter of the year, and uh, perhaps, as we go towards the end of this fourth quarter very soon uh, ip heads uh, ip departments would would start looking at budgets for next year uh, if if they were to have some kind of ip strategy this kind of ip strategy within their you know strategy for next year be prepared for litigation be aware of their own portfolios know which ones which parts to prune which parts to keep uh, what all should they think of how should they set these budgets? Uh, if if I was uh, an IP portfolio, uh, you know, head, uh, how do I set my budget for next year? Yeah, so that's that's a tough one. Often budgets push down. Someone up, I will say, everybody's got to cut their budgets by twenty percent. Um, but what can happen is if you don't do that with the proper knowledge, you may be cutting the wrong things. Mm -hmm. So knowing what are your good patents or at least what are perceived by empirical factors to be your good patents um, allows you to choose to keep those and get rid of others, right? And if you don't have any of this analysis done, especially toward the end of the year, you can get in panic mode where you're just having to get rid of things. 
and you can make a lot of bad decisions that you're going to regret. Because although management may be on you to reduce your budget by 20%, when you get sued next year and you had just abandoned the patent that would have been perfect for the countersuit, they're not going to remember. They're not going to remember the fact that they asked you to reduce budget. They're just going to remember that they need this patent, and it's gone, and it's gone, <laughs> and you're involved in it. So, you, one thing that these studies can help you do is it gives you the backup to say, "Look, I know we abandoned that patent, but it was ranked very low in the ranking." Uh, we talked to the business unit, the VP of the business unit. They agreed that it was very low. So you went through the process. Hmm. And it's not just simply you making the decision. So you have this backup, right? Um, you know, third-party consulting firm looked at it, and this is what they came up with. And I get it, it was the, it was the wrong decision in retrospect. But by golly, we went through the right process. We did the right due diligence. Because... In many of those circumstances, people didn't go through the right due diligence. I think that's very, very typical. Yes. And you may sit there and say, well, they're cutting budget. Well, why would I spend $10,000 or a few tens of thousands of dollars of doing this? Well, you prune one patent family that's irrelevant. You will have more than paid for that project, right? And if you prune the right one, which had zero value and that left budget, to do this analysis, mm. uh, it'll pay off incredibly. Mm. So you just have to look about it strategically and make those conscious decisions that will give you the defensibility if management tries to reinterpret the, <laughs> the historical facts differently at a later time. Right, right. Makes makes complete sense. And uh, uh, talking of uh, you know risks. Uh, what other uh, you know risk assessment uh, should should IP leaders look at uh, as as they strategize for the coming years? Uh, yeah. So uh, one thing that I was talking to folks here about that I wasn't aware about was I always have clients that want to know what patents are likely to be asserted. Um, and um, Gravy has a capability now to look at particular areas and look at that taxonomy and know which patents are being asserted mm -hmm. actively or have been asserted. Because you may worry a bunch of, about a bunch of patents. Well, you know, it's, it's almost like one in a 10,000 chance that a particular patent is ever going to be asserted. So you can fret about it. But to know that there's somebody asserting a patent against everybody in a particular space is actionable intelligence. You can sit there and, and perhaps talk to the product people and get them to rework their product a little bit and work in that design around. Mm -hmm. So you can alleviate a bunch of risk. You can't do it for every patent on earth because you drive yourself crazy. Um, but you certainly can do it for the ones that are likely to be asserted. Um, right. So that might be ones that have been in lack, uh, active litigation or in presently in litigation against somebody. Maybe there's a, a patent assertion organization that has some patents. 
um, that are likely to be insert, asserted in the future. It could be that there's a particular competitor that you know you're going to be going to battle with soon. You might look through the things that they have in that area. Right. Because if you can redesign a product, especially in a normal development cycle, it doesn't cost you anything. Mm. And usually there's a different way to do things. Mm. And in, in this time where you may have more time to think about this, knowing the patent landscape and being able to get out in front of some of these problems, especially not every problem, but the problems that are likely to happen is actionable intelligence. Mm. Uh, whereas I think when you normally look at the patent landscape, it's overwhelming. If I had to release a product in a heavily patented area and avoid everybody's patent, it would be impossible. But if I can narrow it down to the ones that are asserted, have been asserted or are likely to be asserted from companies that are likely to assert them against me, all of a sudden you have something that's manageable. Mm -hmm. So you might be able to get it down to for your business. I'd be surprised most businesses would have more than a half dozen to a dozen patents that are likely to be inserted if you have somebody doing an analysis of that. Mm. And you can react to a half dozen patents or a dozen patents or 30 patents. You can't react to 5,000 patents. Right. Tom, we've, we talked about a lot of different strategies that IP leaders can, can use in the coming times. Uh, in, in your experience of having spoken with so many different uh, IP departments and different companies. Uh, what has been the challenge so far? Like, uh, why is why is the visibility low on on their their own portfolios? Like we talked about, they should know which parts to prune. Uh, what what lacks that visibility right now? And and uh, what can they go for? To, to have better visibility, not just for these times, but also for, for the future. Yeah, so um, the challenges are just, you know, the legal department tends to be an overhead expense. So they're always struggling for budget. And, you know, there's turnover. Uh, so you lose institutional knowledge. And that's where if you do a landscape study, you do an analysis of the portfolio. It's great to have that. Maybe you're looking at doing some pruning or, mm -hmm. uh, but what happens is once you have figured that out, you have to have the discipline to keep doing it, even in the busy times. So, you know, there are, there are electronic platforms available where you can, um, and Grapey has one too, um, where you can have all this information, but then use it on a regular basis. Like for example, you might have a uh, business wants to go in a new area, or you think of acquiring a company. Freedom to operate search is a common thing. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have that done and put into the same platform, then you can track it over time. And then on a lot of the projects built into it, what I like is that things get updated because uh, things are expanding and contracting, companies are acquiring in different areas. Mm -hmm. You're getting into new areas. So as you get into new areas, if you're doing those freedom operates, that's just another little node in your taxonomy for your landscape. 
Um, and if you keep doing that and keep having it updated, you'll have at your fingertips all of this IP program knowledge so you can answer the questions because the answers, the questions come spuriously. Some mm. executive has a random question to say, um, how many patents do we have relating to mobile phones? Well, yeah. I had that question come down once and the particular client had a mobile phone app and they had a web, a web um, interface. And um, we never wrote the patent saying this is for a mobile phone. We wrote the patents talking about the functionality of it. Mm-hmm. So in that particular example, it required me going through the whole portfolio. You know, at that time, it was about 150 patents. Whereas if you've already loaded it up and one mm-hmm. of the nodes in your taxonomy is mobile, um, it's already done and you can give an answer very quickly mm-hmm. with the graph, the pretty graph. And then you appeared to be a wizard in command of everything that's going on. And, and keeping on top of that, because I've seen too many examples where the, the, the process and the, the machine, the patent generating machine just gets out of control. And some large companies are kind of the worst on this is they get on cruise control where people f- keep filing continuations and inventors keep coming to you with ideas. But on, on this particular one, it was a large, uh, a large company in a space, and they would tend to sue every new startup that entered the space. Mm-hmm. So I was representing a well-funded Silicon Valley company that we knew this was coming, so we started to build out this large patent portfolio. And we thought it would be, you know, some, you know, a few years after we came out of stealth mode. It was months after we came out of stealth mode. The litigation happened. Mm-hmm. asserting, I think it was five patents or six patents. And what was funny is uh, analysis was done to look for prior art, but where, where it was started was with the company's own patents. And as it turns out, the company had the habit of filing the same idea over and over again. Mm-hmm. And a good fraction of their litigation claims could be invalidated by their very own prior art. And the story in court, which was resonated with folks, was, you know, this large company is just kind of a bully in this space. Just keep refiling the same patents over and over again. And it was uncanny how similar they were. Mm-hmm. And you could find, you know, a patent 20 years later where almost the whole entire claim was set up in a patent, an earlier patent that sometimes wasn't even provided to the patent office. So unless you get your arms around what's going on, like if you have a portal where all the patents are in there and they're categorized and you can search through the portal and further categorize them, you know, you have to treat intellectual property like any other property. Mm -hmm. You know, if you had a hundred properties around the country, you would know the address. Mm -hmm. Uh, You would know what buildings were on them. If you got asked a question like, which which of the properties has a barn on them, you could answer that question pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you want to treat the, the patent assets in the very same way, right? right? So you know what you're spending, you know if you've got things in the right locations, you know if you've got, if they need barn space or warehouse spaces, if you've got it or if you don't mm-hmm. have it. And I think a lot of people just get caught up 
in the day-to-day of filing and filing and filing and not asking questions, worrying about budget, always in kind of reactionary mode rather than being in strategic mode. Mm. And when you're in that kind of fight or flight mode where you're just putting out fires, you are not doing things strategically. So having a portal that can be updated is referred to all the time and is augmented as you need to augment it is going to give you that discipline so that even in the good times, you know, when everybody's really busy and you wouldn't normally have your arms around it, people are keeping track of it. Or if you have turnover in the staff, the next, next person sees it because it's well organized. Mm-hmm. And that's all about knowing what's in your patent portfolio. So you're prepared to deal with these spurious things that happen. You get sued. Well, Imagine if you got sued and immediately you could find five patents in your portfolio that could Mm. be used in a countersuit. You might get rid of that litigation instead of in a year or perhaps not ever, you might be able to get rid of that litigation in a month before outside counsel has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm. And that's potentially all saved money that could go into financing your, your patent program. Right, right. And it doesn't take much to move uh, analysis from an Excel sheet onto a digital platform like this. That's right. In these times. And the digital platform, what's nice about it is you can have a lot of people interacting with Mm -hmm. it. Everybody within the enterprise can interact with it. It's updated in a timely manner. It it continues to be relevant. And the portals, you know, should never and don't trace what somebody's doing. Right. But Mm. if you're emailing around an Excel spreadsheet and people can find old versions of it, you can get a sense of what the people internal to the enterprise were doing. If there's Mm. simply a portal that is updated and who knows what was on it or not on it at a given moment, it makes it really hard, even with the discovery request, Mm. to um, put together some sort of triple damages assessment or or something like that because the portal has on it what it has on it at a given moment and later when you look at it has that on it nobody really knows uh what was behind that login Mm -hmm. absolutely also i think one one advantage that i have seen is with with these portals they're like a well-designed uh railway system you know it's it's like these different analysis can be connected to each other very easily, even if they were done in separate times with separate objectives. For example, in one place you have your own portfolio, in another place you have a competitor's portfolio, maybe uh, some some kind of categorization on the product side. And tomorrow, if there's a question, it's easier to move this data along to to talk to each other, and then you have analysis between the two of them. So it's it's. It's like a well-planned plan system that talks to each other very easily. And the more you put into it and the more data you have in there, the you have network effects. Yes. So I found for particular circumstances, we need to have a different analysis or perhaps my client wants to see it in a different way. Mm-hmm. The data's in there. You just connect the dots and you change the GUI mm-hmm. to give the insight that the person wants for a particular circumstance because if... You're regularly asserting patents. It might look different than somebody who's just building out a portfolio or somebody who's acquiring. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And if you can put all of that knowledge and, you know, all the human effort that goes into that, if you can have it in the, in the portal at your fingertips, mm-hmm. you can get those insights and you can kind of play around with it mm-hmm. to, to give you that intelligence that makes sense, you know, the actual intelligence. Right, right. Uh, another thing from that comes to my mind by, by talking about, you know, looking at portfolios and all this, uh, some people might argue that we can look at our portfolio from uh, commercial databases that are available out there, uh, you know, and and uh, maybe just just hit the assignee name and, and we, we can see everything that's out there and uh, perhaps some high level categorization also based on some IPC classes, uh, CPC classes. Uh, do you think it's that is enough vision, enough accuracy? Uh, to to really do actionable have actionable insights coming out of uh, you know pruning data from there or uh, is there is there a more sophisticated way required uh, to to really get good actionable insights? Yeah, so unfortunately, I, I've tried out a lot of tools, and anybody that has one that works, you know, call me up because I'll put it in my triangle IP tool. <laughs> um, uh, there's there's kind of problems in that the patent office has a language that doesn't match what what happens in industry mm-hmm. or the jargon you use within your enterprise. So you might be able to know the number of patents that are in international class X Y Z and nobody knows what that means and even the name of it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So almost all the automated tools are relying on those structures that the patent office gives to really manage how they do their work, not do a landscape. Um, so the automated tools are overly reliant on that, but people don't think about, oh, by golly, there's a new patent in, in art unit 3563, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks that way. And um, so I've not found any of the automated tools. They may produce pretty graphs and you can do that automatically, but then you start looking at things and you're like, well, wait a minute, what does industrial machine mean? My clients, you know, to software mm-hmm. database, right? And I did that for uh, one of the large software um, tech companies where we put their portfolio in and did an analysis. And the largest category was industrial machine. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, right? So you look at these things and it's kind of garbage, right? Yes. So I've only found that um, you know, hiring people and they may have access to some of these tools to present the visualizations, but hiring people to go through there and hand tweak the search strings or spot check that things mm-hmm. are happening, right? Understand my client's technology so that they can use the same language. So it's useful to them because if you if you have something that's confusing, the average person outside the legal department is not going to be able to make sense of it. And um, it's just a big waste of time. So, you know, if someone can figure it out um, to have robots do this, (laughs) um, but I haven't, I haven't seen it. So uh, I think we, we got some really cool points out of this discussion today. We talked about how, uh, you know, IP departments should be uh, setting up their IP strategy in these uncertain times. And, uh, we talked about doing landscape studies, 
looking at their own portfolios, looking at competitors' portfolios more closely, uh, maybe being being prepared uh, with with knowing which parts of their own portfolio they should prune out, be more cost effective uh, as as they keep their own portfolios. Uh, we talked about how all of this can be possible more easily and effectively by having online digital platforms and not Excel sheets. Uh, so, so the data is not lost. Uh, so, some some great points. We also talked about how they can assess litigation in in advance and have have uh, better risk assessment as they go into different technology areas or prepare for these times when perhaps litigations might increase. Uh, so, if if we were to you know put this all in in one place, are there any any final thoughts you have uh, for the for the IP? Uh, guys out there as as we dive into q4 and then very soon into the next year yeah so let's start off by saying don't don't, don't panic don't ever <laughs> panic because when you go into a down, downturn that's what people want to do is they want to freeze up they want to panic um perhaps do nothing mm. um and what happens is it becomes even more crucial to make smart decisions in a downturn because that's when there'll be a culling of companies or perhaps you'll be on the receiving end of somebody's assertion strategy. So you just have to work smarter and really have an understanding of what's going on so you're prepared. And it may have been difficult to do during the go-go days when everybody was so busy, but rather than doing nothing or panicking, come up with the plan, chip away at it. Maybe you only have the budget to do landscape um, between now and the end of the year. Well, then do an analysis of the portfolio next year. And maybe the year after that, or if you end up in a litigation, it's gonna be easy mm -hmm. to justify the management that you should look at the litigation risk, or maybe you're setting up for an acquisition to be acquired use these opportunities to get your house in order, right? And having that electronic platform that has all this information at your fingertips is probably one of the most cost-effective things that you'll do. And just making one smarter decision, being able to get out of a lawsuit in one month versus six months hmm. will more than pay for this effort. And what you'll find is management is going to quickly respect that you have answers quickly because one of the frustrations I always hear from the C-levels is that they can't get a straight answer out of anybody. I always give straight answers to my clients and they'll say, well, I can't get a straight answer out of the legal department um, to save my life. And it's hard because they're asking you for answers that almost can't be answered. It's not fair to ask you mm -hmm. how many patents, like you know, off the tip of your tongue, how many of our hundred patents mm -hmm. um, cover are, are related to mobile phones, right? Nobody knows that. <laughs> um, but imagine if you're in that same meeting and you pull up the online portal mm -hmm. and in that online portal, there's uh, a node in your taxonomy or a tag that's mobile phone. And you come up with that answer. You're gonna be perceived as that person uh, who is just amazed, it amazes, right? So use this opportunity and perhaps you'll even have some free time uh, 
not be so busy is just have the discipline to uh, clean up things yep. and get your house in order. Right. Well, all right. I think this 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 has been very very helpful. Thank you for being on uh, the first ever episode of of Gravy Talks and. Uh, I hope our viewers find this information extremely helpful as they uh, plan for the year ahead and then plan their IP strategy. So great. We'll, we'll see you all on our next episode. Thank you once again, Tom. Hope you have a pleasant stay, rest of the stay also in India. And uh, we'll hopefully have you again on another session of Gravy Talks. Great. Uh, glad to come Thank back. you.